Luke chapter 5, verse 1. The book of St. Luke chapter 5 and verse 1. Once again, St. Luke chapter 5 and verse 1. In fact, I want to read verse 1 through verse 6. St. Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 6. And if you all will allow for the next few moments, I want to read from the New King James Version. And so it was, as the multitude pressed, pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Desineret, and he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them, and they were washing their nets. What were they doing? They were washing their nets. And then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. And he asked him to put out a little from the land. And Jesus, the Bible says, sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. He taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. I want to read that again. And when he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, the businessman, Simon, the entrepreneur, Simon, the marketplace leader, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, master, we toiled all night and we've caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Hmm. Nevertheless, at your word, at your word, I won't be long this morning. At your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. I want to talk these next few moments about the power of God's word, the power of God's word. Please allow me to say that one more time. The power mm, of whose word, whose word, the power of God's words. Father, these next few moments, thank you for the joy, the privilege, the invitation, the opportunity to hear from heaven regarding your word. For your word indeed is a lamp to our feet. It is also a light to our path. Thank you for loving us so much that you gave us your word your promises. Thank you today for opening our minds that we would comprehend the scriptures. And Father, thank you today that there's nothing too hard for you. There's not a situation in this room. There's not a challenge, a dilemma, a problem, a pain. There's no trouble. There's no issues. There's no sickness. There's no lack. That's too hard for you. So Father, today we say nevertheless, at thy word. For this we ask and we pray in the name of your son, Jesus. The saints said amen. Come on, let's say amen again. The power of of God's word. Please be seated if you can in the presence of the Lord on this morning. The power, the power, and the power of God's word. Please allow me to take a moment to appreciate the sound team. I don't know if I've ever come into the sanctuary and heard the sound sound so good. And I thank you men and ladies perhaps for working so hard and I thank all of you all who work behind the scene to Bible says I will show you a more excellent way and uh, I believe when God put that in scripture that meant that we're not always going to be perfect but there is a more excellent way of doing things and would you help me appreciate the sound team these men upstairs who work so hard they work so hard 
and God bless them on today. Amen. If you can't hear me that well, it's because I don't, I'm not positioning my mic the best it could without a lapel on today. If there's ever been a time to hear and to take heed to the word of God, now is that time. While so many people right now are searching for answers, searching for solutions to life's many painful problems, the truth is you and I, and I want to say this in reality, what we truly need is one word from the Lord. I need to remind you today that the word of God, the power of God's word can change the course of a direction you're going in. The word of God can charge an atmosphere that you would have the faith needed for whatever's going on in your life. The word of God can create a healing process, whether that healing is physical, whether it's mental, whether it's emotional, or maybe even spiritual. And so today for the next 15 minutes or so, I want to talk to you about the power of God's word, the power of God's word. You might ask these next few moments, how important, how important is the word of God? How important is the word of God? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get distracted just for a moment because let me just kind of step outside of sermon mode and let me talk to you for a moment. I don't know if there's anything more important right now than the word of God in your life. The word is more important than money. It's more important than time. It's more important in your health. It's more important in family. Because when the word of God is in its best perspective, when it's in priority, position, and precedent, all of those other things will fall in line. The problem is, we've taken the word of God and we've made it, how can I say this? Instead of it being the steering wheel, and I should know, I've been driving for the last six hours coming from Alabama. And, and so please forgive me for my post-fatigue mentally of seeing steering wheel. Instead of the word of God being a steering wheel, we often put the word in the back trunk of the car and it becomes the spare wheel. And I want you to think about that with me for a moment. Is the word of God in your life the steering wheel that literally governs the course of your direction everywhere you go, everything you do, or is it in the trunk of your car under all of the towels and the car cleaning products and you only need it, only need it in case of an emergency. Uh, let me get back in sermon mode. So, so with that being said, it can change the course. It can charge the atmosphere and it can create a healing process. How important is the word of God in your life. Number one, how important is the word of God? It is essential. It is essential for your salvation. It is essential. When I use the word essential, in other words, it is a bedrock. It's non-compromising, non-negotiable. How important is the word? It is so important, you can't be saved without it. My pastor used to say years and years ago, you cannot be saved right on wrong information. And see, I grew up in an era where people got saved on all type of strange beliefs and practices and traditions. But the reality is the word of God is essential for salvation. Second Timothy chapter three. In fact, I'm going to give you a lot of scripture because I believe in a word based sermon. I hope you can appreciate being in a word based church, a word based teaching because we have, how can I say this? We have uh, our culture, our generation. We, we've evolved into this online, slick. Anybody can preach. Anybody with a camera, an iPhone, and a microphone can give a good motivational speech. And so you've got YouTube universities, you've got Facebook Live, you've got all of these platforms. No wonder Paul says, though you have 10,000 instructors, you have not many fathers. And so be careful 
and I might make this a Tuesday night teaching. Be careful of the seduction. Be careful of the seduction of teaching that sounds apart, but it lacks the word of God. I'm concerned. As a pastor, I'm concerned. I'm concerned that the same technology that is used for the furthering of exposure and streaming and multifaceted, multi-generational reach can also be used as a weapon of mass destruction. Bible says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. A lot of YouTube videos, but a lack of knowledge. A lot of great motivational speeches and maxims and statements, but where is the objectivity of the word? May I go a step further? A lot of wonderful opinions. But where is the word of God? I want to talk about that in a moment, but I, let, me, let me get back on target here. So 2 Timothy 3, 14. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of because you know those whom from you've learned it. Paul writes to Timothy and says, how from an infant you've known the word of God. You've known holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The word wise or wisdom, the Greek word Sophia, to, uh, the right application of knowledge. See, you can have a lot of knowledge, but if you don't know how to apply it, you all know people like that, they're bookworms, they're bookworms, they're nerds. They got a whole lot of intellectual, educational knowledge, but they have no street sense. Right? They have no wisdom. So you can have a whole lot of uh, factual degrees and knowledge, and you can be a walking encyclopedia, but if you're not wise, and see, sometimes life teaches you through experience, some painful, some non-painful, how to be wise. Amen. Told my son last night after the game, listen, it's not win or lose, it's win or learn. You're in a position in a season in your life where you're learning. And you have to learn from the painful moments and learn from experiences like this. It's not a lose or a hell. It's learning. Because it makes you wise, as Paul tells Timothy for salvation. Matthew 4 and 4. But he answered and said, it is written, man should not live by bread alone. I hope I can talk to some of my people in the room who love money. Man cannot live by bread alone. Right? But the Bible says, but they, you, you shall live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. How important is the word of God? Number two, it will equip, it can equip and empower you for every one of life's challenges. I haven't said this in years, but I'll say it right now. For every one of life's challenges. God has a solution. For every season of change, God has an answer. And you know what that answer is found? In the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. Right? It is the basic instructions. Oh, y'all know what I'm saying. Before leaving earth, right? Oh, we can go all, we got all, all type of uh, uh, elementary and kindergarten and Sunday school and Bible school and vacation Bible school. We got, we, we know that this has to be the road map. But a closed Bible is a closed mouth from the Lord. Do you hear me? Now we can open up magazines and we can open up social media and we can open up newspapers and we can open up all type of periodicals. But what about opening up the word of God? I'm even conscious of, I love good Christian readings. And I love good books. I, 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 someone texted me yesterday morning and, and said, Dr. Stevens, he, 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 he texted me two, three different times in the morning. And, and it, it was like seven, eight in the morning. And then I, I, and I, was, I was praying and I was actually reading and kind of getting ready for service. And he texted me a third time saying, listen, it's the early bird that gets the worm. We got into my skin. I said, well, listen, first of all, I've been up for at least two and a half hours reading. I'm just focused right now. I will get back to you when I get back to you. 
So I said, since we added, let me just sing you two good books, one on the 5 a.m. club, because there's a certain discipline about those who get up at 5 a.m. that cause them to have a certain lifestyle that others can't have. And here's another book I sent. Say I to say that. I love good books, but there can be no book that trumps the word of God. All right? So thank God for all of these wonderful Christian artists. Thank God for all of these wonderful Christian reads. And you should have them. But do not spend more time reading Joyce Myers than you do the Word of God. Do not spend more time reading T.D. Jakes than you do the Word of God. Those are great sub-ancillary teachings and wonderful add-ons. But do not replace those with, excuse me, do not replace the Word of God with popular Christian read. I don't, I don't know why I'm saying this. I'm just, I, maybe I'm pastoring you right now. I want to pastor you because I think we get personality driven. And sometimes maybe this isn't sexy enough. Maybe it isn't attractive enough. Maybe it isn't engaging enough. So we got to go find a man's name or a woman's name or a denomination's name. Or we got to find something that add a little sauce to the scripture. See, maturity and wisdom says, I ought to be to open up every 66 books of this Bible and hear the word of the Lord speaking to my life. Awfully quiet this morning. I hope I'm not. Well, you know, I take that back. I'm glad you're quiet because it lets me know you're thinking. Let's keep the word of God first. Uh, all scripture, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed. Your Bible probably says all scripture is inspired. The word inspired, all scripture has been breathed on by the Lord. So let me stop right there for a moment. Let me stop right there for a moment. What does that tell you now about the Bible? Uh, I think it was Catherine Kuhlman, revivalist back in the 30s and 40s, who said this out of Pittsburgh. I think she said that the word of God is as relevant as this morning's newspaper. Oftentimes we read this with an ancient text in mind. And we read it for the history. We read it for its novelty. We read it for its, 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 its feel good. But, 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 but Paul writes and says, all scripture has been inspired and it is useful. It's useful. So this has to be more than a, 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 a coffee stand that balances your, your, your table. All right, all right. It's got to be more than something. You know, see this Bible? Well, it's, not, it's not the original one. I got my original one. It's somewhere in the back. But, you know, most of y'all grew up like me. You had a great big old fat Bible on your coffee table at home. Never read it. It just looked good. And the only thing was this, my old pictures of your family and had a family tree. And that's about it. Right? We have all of these, we have all of these byproducts for the Bible other than reading it. May I just remind you that the word of God is useful. Would you say that with me? The word of God is useful. Come on, say that with me. I want you to say that. The word of God is useful. Yeah. So uh, what, is it, what is it useful for? Watch this. It is useful for teaching. Mm -hmm. You want to teach your kids? Start with the word of God. Not with online ministries. Not with a, 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 a 10 help steps from some popular motivational uh, psychiatrist. No, let's start with the word of God. Let's start in Ephesians 6. Let's start in the Proverbs. Teaching. What else? What about rebuking? What about correcting? What about training in righteousness? Anybody still want to live righteous in the land? Anybody? Okay, that's a, that's a few hands. Anybody still want to be righteous in the land? Righteousness. And, uh, okay. Anybody want to be in right standing with God? Let me just see your hand. Okay, that's righteousness, okay? So the word can help you be in right standing with God. Right? Let's, let's go further. Uh, uh, so that men... So that, so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I finished a book this past week on the, the, the unexhausted leader. Great read. Opened up a new book called um, by Ed Savoso. It deals with um, 
uh, what's the name of that book? Uh, Anointed for Business. I think the name of the book is Anointed for Business. And again, these are all sub-reads, all right? They're sub-reads. The Holy Spirit will not allow me to spend hours and hours and hours in these books, and I spend 10 minutes in the Bible. It, it, that, that, that's not his will. I don't believe that's the will of God. I believe that this has to be foundational. Then I can kind of read these other things that help supplement what I'm already reading in the Bible. But, but, but it talks about being equipped for every good work. We'll show you that in a minute when it goes back to Peter. Okay? Uh, let me give you one last scripture real quick. Uh, one last thought. So it's, the word of God is essential for salvation. It's, it's, it, it equips and empowers for life's challenges. And three, it is effective for everyday success and significance. And this is why I don't go back to Peter. This is where I'd like to go back to Peter in one moment. It's significant, or excuse me, yes, it is effective for everyday success and significance. I am experiencing something in this season of my life. I don't know if I can honestly say I've experienced this season in the 52 years I've been living. The 35 plus years of being in ministry. The 28 years of pastoring this church. I don't know if I can honestly say I've been there before. And Pastor Tim, I'm going to refer to you just a little bit because he and I are colleagues in this area. I'm seeing success in other areas of business outside of the pulpit. Okay? And I'm not used to that. I'm, not, I'm really not because I've never ventured out in those areas. I've, this is all I've ever done in my adult life. You understand? But, but, but my prayer time is God, help me to be successful in other areas of business and ministry, even outside of pastoring. Because, because the pandemic kind of forced that on me. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like all of you all. I'm sitting at home in an apartment two and a half years ago at a kitchen table. And, and everything I ever knew about ministry is now on a laptop. Do you understand? Everything that I ever thought about the grand of ministry is through streaming on a, what, Tuesday night and on a Sunday. And I don't, and if we don't pivot here, we ain't gonna make it. So it's, it kind of goes back to 2 Kings when the prophet says, woman, what do you have in your home? What talents do you have? Well, I can't go back and go to law school. I don't have time for that. Well, I can't run over here and become an engineer. That ain't really my heart. I can't run over here and do this and that. So what do you have? Well, I do like to talk. <laughs> I, I, I do have some experiences, right? I've gone through some tough things, and I can't help people there. Well, you know what? Let's go to Amazon.com. Let's download four, uh, download. Let's, let's order four or five books on consulting and on business and on this and on that. Let's get an LLC or an S Corp. Or let's get a website going. Let's do this. Let's do that. And, and the next thing you know, if, if a clergy pastor can do this, you are a thousand times smarter than I am. Why can't you? One of the things in that book by Ed Savoso, he says, too many Christians have felt guilty and they have literally felt like second-class citizens in the church because they were not an apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, or an evangelist. You know, the fivefold gifts. And somehow or another, we have created this culture that if you're not praise teaming or preaching or whatever we do in the church on Sundays, somehow or another, you're not as anointed or gifted for God's kingdom. And the author goes to the heart and says, you know, if anything, that is just an epitome of the heart and a lie from the pit of hell. Actually, it's almost opposite because the majority of Jesus' ministry was never in the four walls of the church. It was in the marketplace. So whether you were in government, education, business, schools, whatever it might, that's where it took place. And somehow or another, we have reversed that because of culture influence. And so now you come to church looking for a Sunday morning high. And those who work with the media team, they know I am scratching on something right now. These last two or three months, I am scratching on something. May I share with you all? I'm going to get back to the text and I'll be finished. Yeah. Let me share with you. I said, I have talked with pastors all over this country in my consulting roles. 
And the general consensus has been this. Pastor Stevens, when you finish your theory and when you finish your strategy, please let us know because we feel that same pain. And my promise to all of them, and we're talking about pastors who have a handful of members. We're talking about mega church pastors who have thousands of members. But the pain has been the same. I've not heard anyone talk about it. I've read no articles, no PDFs, no online material. All I know is this. The pandemic has sort of massaged the church into a Sunday morning only experience. It was already halfway, as my mama would say, you got a foot in the grave and another foot on a banana peel. We were already kind of Sunday morning driven anyway, right? But now after this pandemic, we are so now accustomed to the streaming of a show on Sundays, whether you're on campus or you're online, right? And we got comfortable. People get comfortable. We love that hour or hour and a half of Sunday. But we spend so much time the rest of the week hustling and surviving and wearing masks and keeping up with code and making sure this and making sure that. So now discipleship has spirally down to a little of nothing. And so I'm saying to myself, wait a minute, time out. We, when I say we, the church has a good product and message and experience for about two hours on Sundays. But at last I checked, help me with my math here, but I think there's 168 hours in a week. What are we doing those other 165, 66 hours a week? The message is powerful. The experience is grand on Sundays, but we have nothing on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays. And you know what? That is diametrically opposite of Acts chapter 2. Bible says in Acts 2, 44 through 47, that they broke their bread daily. They ate their food with simplicity of heart and nobody lacked among them. And the Lord added to the church daily. Come on, talk to me now. He added to the church daily those who were being saved. How are we going to see that happen now when we've got this show on Sunday mornings for two hours. So you know what I'm talking about now? What I'm suggesting to these pastors? We have to create a paradigm. We have to really create a, a template to where the messaging of Sundays does not stop. It has to continue Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays. And right when you've exhausted in Wednesdays, start preparing for next week with the promos for Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. It has to be an engagement. I use the word, and uh, uh, Brother Vernon to tell you, I use the word virtual DJ. We almost need a virtual DJ. Somebody who literally keeps the messaging and the experiencing going Monday through Saturdays. It's going to have to happen. And you know, what, you know what the general consensus from all these pastors I talked to? Pastor Stevens, you're on to something. When you get it, would you let us know? Sure. But it's going to cost you. Because, uh, <laughs> advice ain't free no more you know can I call you y'all have people who call you they want to pick your brain for a couple of hours you know, uh, picking your brain for an hour is no longer free it's going to cost you I know the Bible says freely receive freely give but uh, that, that's for the gospel this right here is business now you're laughing at me but I'm trying to help you out you have a tool you have a gift. Some of you all have a skill set. You are so knowledgeable and you are so good at what you've got. But because you don't know your value, you are giving away for free what your counterparts, hear me, hear me closely, what your counterparts across the street are getting thousands for an hour. You know what the difference is? LLC, C Corp, the website, pay their taxes. My wife and I came home uh, Thursday. We literally came home Thursday. I was home for one hour. Had an emergency come up. Had to come out, take care of some business, deal with a couple of attorneys and deal with realtors. Just, just some stuff was going on. So my Thursday evening was gone. Friday, I drove out of town. I've had no time to slow down. But my wife and I are always praying about an opportunity to witness. So the driver who got us from the airport to the house 
He, he, I, call, I, I nicknamed him my new Muslim friend. He's my new Muslim friend. And he's from, um, oh, what's that country? Um, not Dakar. What's the country next to Dakar? West Africa. Not Dakar. Anybody know that country? Usually when you fly from South Africa home, you stop there to gas up again, then you go home. Anybody know that country? Senegal. Thank you, Senegal. Senegal. Thank you, Senegal. And he wanted to tell me how Muslim he was. And I said, I don't care. You still my friend. I gave that man the tip of his life. He texted me within 10 minutes to thank me. I said, man, listen, man, he's frustrated about the business. He's frustrated about driving and the taxis and the Ubers and this and that and the other. I said, man, listen, listen, since I'm in the car, let me just help you with your business. Here's what you need to do. A, B, C, E, F, D. Since you got friends here and you got some friends over there, since you got this and they got that, why don't y'all network and do this and do that together? You know what? There's still some people who don't care to do Uber, but yet they don't, they don't, they don't, they don't do the limousine thing either. So there's a nice, perfect niche for this if you, he got real quiet. I said, you still are my Muslim friend, ain't you? Yeah, I'm your friend, blah, 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 blah. But the, the truth of the matter is this, we don't know our value. He talked about his family, talked about his wife and his kids and all this other stuff going on here and there and the other, blah, blah, blah. And you know what? This wasn't a time for me to spar with him about Jesus and Muhammad and who's bigger than who, who's real, who ain't real. Just love on him. Love on him. Let him know that, man, I love you and I respect you. You know what? I want to help you. And, and, and God is my witness. Within 10 minutes he sent me a text. He asked my phone. I went in the house, gave him a book. You're an author too? I said, well, you know, I'll, every once in a while I write a little something, something here and there. Blown away. Loving on people and helping them. Mark Cuban, who owns the Dallas Mavericks, my wife and I were watching TV the other night and, and they were interviewing him. He said, sales is not convincing people what they need. Sales is just simply finding what they need and meeting that need. True sales is not convincing anybody. True sales is finding the need and meeting it. That may sound elementary. That may have went over your head. It may be too small for you. But a man who's a billionaire who's kind of been through the ranks and learned, I, I, you, you've got my complete attention. I'm listening with both ears now. And I want to help you out, and I'm knowing my message right now, but maybe someone needed to hear this today. Quit giving your stuff away for free. God gifted you and he graced you and he anointed you to be uniquely you. And I understand you want to sow seed and you want to be a blessing and God will bless you for that. But the Bible says to occupy, Jesus said, until I come. The word occupy means to trade, to barter, to transition services. And some of you, God has so given you tremendous skill sets, tremendous grace and a passion to do what you do. But because no one came by and sharpened your sword and said, use it and do it the right way so you don't end up in jail, right? You've never thought this thing through. I got to transition. My time is almost up. Let's go back to Peter real quick. And I promise you, I will segue greatly into Peter. What do we know about Peter here? When we think about Luke 5, we think about a man sitting there with a fishing pole in his lap eating a ham sandwich. Peter was not recreationally fishing. Now, I fish. I love the fish. I've got bass on my wall, taxidermy. I've got crappie on my wall, taxidermy. I hate, I hate, I've been so busy these past year and a half, two years, I've not stuck a pole in the water. I love the fish, but I recreational fish. Peter was a businessman. This was his livelihood. Please understand, Simon, as you see in the scripture, this was his livelihood. And there are two observations I want to give you out of Luke 5, and we'll pick it up either Tuesday night or we'll pick it up next Sunday. I don't know, but I got to give you these observations. Number one, you got to know one thing. This was his life. He wasn't just casually, pseudo, hanging out. And you know, I have nothing better to do. Jesus comes on the scene. We talk about fishing and next thing. You know, I'm fine. No! The man fished at night because that was the best time to catch fish and prepare it for the market sales the next morning. But for whatever reason, I know the reason, but for whatever reason, they caught nothing. This expert, professional, entrepreneur, fisherman caught nothing. You know what? He's exhausted. He's tired. He's frustrated. And you would be too. If you are a business owner in this room, if you're an entrepreneur, you've seen those lean days. You've gone through those seasons and moments 
when it seems like, Lord, let me just go ahead and throw in the towel. Nothing seems to be working right here. Peter was right there. But Jesus comes on the scene. He teaches so, but there was something about that moment many of us would have never caught. Let's go back to the scripture. And what does verse 1 say? And so it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God. I got to stop right there. Stay with me. Please stay with me. Please stay with me. I know I've deviated a lot. I know I've gotten a little personal. I guess that's what happened when you had about an hour and a half of sleep. So y'all keep praying now. I'm going to get through this message. I promise you. I promise you, right? So look, watch this. Um, don't miss this part. The people press to hear the word. Notice, they didn't press for a miracle. They didn't press for the food. They didn't press for breakthrough. But the Bible clearly, explicitly says that they press to hear the word of God. I wondered to myself, I wonder what would happen if we ever would be a part of a generation again where people begin to press to hear the word. Our church was a field, but I'm not too sure that field because of the word. I think we're there, the churches that are full and feel and popping and popular and grand and great, I don't really think it's because of the word as much as it is because of a personality or a certain venue of singing or a certain location. Oh, so-and-so's church. Man, they're busting at the scene. People are coming from everywhere. Oh, I tell you, I, man, they got a crowd. Oh, look at this. You know what? Chances are, chances are, the gospel may not be being preached. Because sometimes we lower the standards and we lower the bar so that anyone can come in and feel comfortable in our church. Start preaching holiness. Or teaching, I should say, holiness. Start preaching right from wrong. And let's see how much. Because see, Jesus understood that in John chapter 6. When the Bible says, you know what? We got a great crowd here. Peter's a man, I tell you. Boy, we got to do some marketing. We got to do some advertising campaign. Man, let me tell you, let's capitalize on this database and on this database and then return to ROI. And it's going to be great. And Jesus said, I got a problem. I, I got a solution for all this. Let's talk about the blood. And let's talk about eating of my flesh and drinking of my blood. And let's just really find out who's with us. Bible says that day, many people left him. There was no more crowd. You know what? Had nothing to do with the catfish. Had nothing to do with the fish sticks. Had nothing to do with the cornbread. But when he preached the unadulterated gospel of a true commitment and following would be like, these guys were gone. He looks at his disciples and said, what about you all? Y'all want to leave too? And who was it? Peter who said, look, you have the words to eternal life. Where shall we go? So be careful of the crowd. They pressed to hear the word of God. I thought about Amos chapter 8. You don't have to turn there, but Amos 8 and 11. Behold, the days are coming, saith the Lord. I will send a famine on the land. But notice what the Bible says. Not a famine of bread, nor thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea, from north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. I kind of wonder right now, are we living in the days that Amos prophesied? You get all these laptops, all this Wi-Fi, all these sanctuaries, and where is the word? I'm talking about the word, right? Uncompromising. Not opinionated. Not, not, not subjective. But where is the objective taught and preach word of God. John the Baptist lost his head because he stood on the word of God. The word martyr or the word witness? The word witness comes from the word martyr. To be willing to lose your life for what it is you believe and stand on. And you kind of start putting pieces together here. And you start saying, Lord, we've gone through this tremendous pandemic. We're looking at this ongoing war and Russia and Ukraine. And now they're talking about this uh, uh, upcoming so-called pending recession and this knee-jerk reaction that our world will experience. And you would think that these things would bring us back to bended knees and prayer and in the word. But the Bible says that they rose up to play and they went on with their lives. I got to finish with this thought. 
Hebrews 4 and 2. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith those who heard it. I got to close on this next thought here. Number one, there was a famine in the land. Excuse me. Number one, they pressed to hear the word of God. They pressed so to where Jesus could no longer minister on the land. He had to have gotten into a boat. That became his natural amphitheater. He pulled off from the shore, pulled off from the edge, and now the mountainside or the hillside became a natural amphitheater. He could now teach and preach. But you know what? The people had a hunger inside of them. I'm here to tell every one of you, God can work miracles when you hunger for his word. God will answer prayer when you thirst for revelation. God can bring solutions and answers in the word of God when you have a heart to read, to study, to prioritize his word. Some of us, we treat the word of God like a good luck charm. If I get a little something out of it, I do. If I don't, I don't. Let me try this today. Let me try that tomorrow. Let me read this down. Let me read that there. Well, I didn't get nothing out of it. So I'm going to close the book, put it back up until I feel lucky again. It didn't work like that. Why? Because the word rebukes, remember. It corrects, remember. So if you want the word as a lollipop, and you want the word as the candy man who makes you feel good and taste good only when you want to feel right, you've got the wrong book in your hand. Because the word of God will tell you, you can speak in tongues, you can shout and dance, you can do all this church stuff, but if you and your wife been arguing and you ain't got it right with her and you need to go to apologize or you need to get right with your husband, go ahead and put all them tongues down. Leave your, leave your gift at the altar. Go get it right, right? Come on, talk to me now. I think I've been Malachi. What the Bible says, men, here's the second thing I got against you. You're not treating your wife right. So until you get it right with your wife, all of your prayers, all of your praise, all of this and all of that, all that, yeah, he deserves it, but it's going to stay right there at that altar until you get it right. How would I have ever known this unless I had gotten into the word? How shall a young man cleanse his way except by taking heed to the word of God? We got to get back to the word. They press, they press, they press to hear the word. My time is up. But will you press to get back in the word of God? I'm nowhere finished finishing. I'm nowhere finished finishing. But will you press? I don't like to really teach a sermon unless it give you three things to do. Number one, will you press? Will you press? I mean, are you okay with getting back to car? I hate, the word, I hate to say the word carving. It sounds like, it sounds so cheap. But would you go back to prioritizing time for him? Undistracted? Uncompromised? To read the word of God? Can you place a demand on the word? Number two, can you remove all doubts and unbelief? Because this is where we find Peter at. Peter is sitting at the high chair of doubt and unbelief. He says, God, I know how to fish. I've been doing this all my natural life. I've, I, I, done, I done built houses. I've made a lifestyle. I put my kids through school. And if I don't know nothing else, I know how to fish. But nevertheless, at thy word, you know the end of the story, don't you? God blesses him so much that the infrastructure of his business began to break with tears and holes in the net because of the abundance of his obedience. My ask of you today is this. Put a demand on the word of God. Remove all doubts. Third and finally, do the right thing. The right thing this morning is to be obedient. It's to be obedient. I've often said in the church, and I'll say it again because I think it best worth repeating. And I want you to hear me really clear when I say this. Your obedience will take you places your faith has yet to be developed for. One act of obedience will take you places while your faith is still in the birth canal. And there's some of you right now, you've been tossing and toiling, you've been vacillating and tuggling and look, cut through the chase. One act of obedience. See, little obedience leads to big obedience. Little obedience leads to big obedience. And the Bible says if you are willing and obedient, 
You got to cross over, friend. You got to cross over. You got good intentions. You got a good will. You got good feelings. But there comes a day when you got to do it and be obedient because your obedience will take you places that your faith has yet not ready to been developed for. And Peter that day, he was obedient. I kind of wonder what would have happened had Peter got stuck in his reasoning. Would you stand to your feet? What would have happened had Peter got in his feelings? Because you know we do know how to get in our feelings, don't you? Especially when you are rubbed the wrong way in an area you think you've mastered. I wish I had time to really, really dig deep into this. I, I did not dig deep into this. I'd already printed the sermon, already sent it to the media team. But this morning I started writing so many hand notes and you can see my paperwork. So many hand notes. We got to go back to being objective over opinion. The word of God is objective. Your opinion don't matter. It really doesn't. What matters is if God said it, it's settled. May I remind you that the Bible says in Psalm 119, forever, O Lord, thy word has been established in the heavens. I need you to stay with me one more minute. Just one more minute. Stay with me. Because here comes the revelation. Here comes the revelation. Just stay with me. The Bible says in Psalm 119, I want to get that to you again. Psalm 119, 89. Excuse me, uh, uh, yeah, 89. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in the heavens. God is the God that doesn't change. His word ain't going to change for nobody. I don't care how unpopular it may be or how opinionated someone might be. His word ain't changing. It's already been settled. But here's the, here's the dilemma. It's settled in the heavens. But his word doesn't get settled on the earth until two or three agree on it. So the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, out of the mouths of two or three, let every thought or word be established. And see, this is where the enemy comes in to fight your confession of faith. He comes to fight. He comes to fight the words that come out of your mouth. Remember the scripture again, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth, proceedeth, ETAs. There's a continual word that comes from God out of the mouth. Why? And if you understand this, you understand why it's important to confess. You understand why it's important to profess. You understand why it's important to quote scripture, to remind or to remember scripture. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. Are you still with me? Are you still with me? And so with that being said, do the right thing. Obey. Peter had to make a decision. Tuesday night, maybe, maybe we'll go a little deeper into this on Tuesday night. We, by the way, for those that are watching online and those who are new to the church, um, we're keeping the lamp burning on Tuesday nights. Online only, virtual only, Facebook Live, Zoom. We try to continue on the message on Tuesdays. And I pray from a discipline wise, it can be more engaging in dialogue, not preaching part two, because that's my fault. I usually preach more, but I like for that to be more of a reflection and more of a community roundtable discussion about the word. If, if we can help, if you all can help me with that. I really like the Tuesday night to be that. Because if, I, if, if it was Tuesday night now, I'd start asking you, what does nevertheless mean to you? Well, I, I, I took an hour and a half nap this morning but I, I went in my office I began to write down what does nevertheless mean to you can you give me any examples and I wrote down three of them one was tithing tithing means there is no reasoning or intellect when it comes to tithing because mathematics says if I take away what I got how I'm gonna have more that's just simple math but nevertheless, I thought about uh, holiness, righteousness, okay? Well, everybody else is doing it. How come I can't do it? 
a little white lie ain't gonna hurt nobody or cheating on income tax ain't gonna bother nobody or this sin or this iniquity or this compromise why, why be holy that's for old people intellect common sense personal will that is your nevertheless Peter's nevertheless was I am an entrepreneur I've been doing this all my life it goes against my human intellect to do what you're telling me to do it's opposite of my will and my experience and my tradition so I'm asking you what is your nevertheless everyone has a nevertheless God says I'm going to heal you but here's what you got to do but it don't make no sense but you know what nevertheless at thy word so I got to close this message out now but but maybe I'll send you home with that one question where are you right now with your nevertheless because there's some things undoubtedly the Holy Spirit might be ministering to you right now and you have been uh, what's the word they use in counseling um, stonewalling you've been stonewalling and you've just been resisting and maybe today that one act of obedience will get you out of stonewalling get you in to a net breaking overflow and an abundance of God's blessings nevertheless at thy word heads are bowed and eyes are closed heads are bowed and eyes are closed hallelujah hallelujah Jesus God we praise your name Lord we bless you right now for you are holy you are worthy there's no one like you we praise your name oh God thank you for the nevertheless thank you for your word thank you for your will being done hallelujah 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 even today oh God even today you're ministering to the hearts of the minds of these your precious people father thank you for the preciousness the power the blessings of your word may we press to hear your word like never before and God may we be obedient to the things that just don't make sense beyond our human intellect our personal will and oh God today thank you that the Word of God can change the course activate and advance our healing charge the atmosphere with faith God we thank you right now for your goodness and your mercies thank you for your word that comes to minister to our situations right now thank you Lord thank you Jesus Thank you, Lord.